When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Justice, a podcast series exploring all aspects of the criminal justice system with me, prison philanthropist and founder of One Small Thing, Edwina Grosvenor. This episode is part of a series in response to COVID-19. I talk again to Mark Fairhurst, chair of the Prison Officers Association, about the situation on the ground for his members as it stood on Monday the 30th of March 2020. My name's Mark Verhurst. I'm the National Chair of the Prison Officers Association. So Mark, thank you so much for sparing the time to chat to me today on our remote podcast. I was just really keen to hear from you as to what the situation is in our prisons, because a little bit of news appears to be coming out. Um, but can you tell us as the head of the POA, the Prison Officers Association, what, what you're seeing? Okay, so we get daily updates on the COVID-19 situation, as you can understand, and the situation as it stands now, there are over 7,000 prison officers who are self-isolating. 16 of those have been confirmed with coronavirus, of which two are in hospital, one is in intensive care. We have 24 prisoners who have identified as having coronavirus, and there are over 1,000 who are self-isolating. We have a severe lack of personal protective equipment, but I believe there is some getting out there to regional hubs for collection, but we've got more on order thanks to the intervention of the Secretary of State, Robert Buckland. But it is a unsavoury position for our members to be in, working on the front line, without those adequate protections in place. So when you say there are 7,000 self-isolating prison officers, so that's 7,000 officers that aren't on the front line, aren't in the prisons at work, do you know what that represents um, as a percentage-wise of the sort of full staff across the country or across England and Wales? What does 7,000 represent? Yeah, there'll be a mixture of prison officers' operational support grades, and that represents approximately 12% of the workforce who are off-duty and self-isolating. And then, of course, we've got people with serious underlying health conditions who need to take extra precautions. And then we've got these letters going out from the NHS, which some of our members will receive, telling them that they must stay at home for 12 weeks. So all in all, a dire situation. And... You know, we kind of, well, many of us know that the service 
was struggling with um, the numbers of staff anyway, and the numbers of uh, prison staff were low, but there were quite a lot of people going off long-term sick with burnout. Um, we were hearing about that on the news in the last couple of months, just before sort of COVID really struck. So I suppose I'm asking the question that many people will be wondering, which is how on earth can a system that was sort of understaffed before cope with 12% of its frontline staff at home? Well, we'll struggle, but at the moment, because of the restrictions on the regime, we are able to manage because prisoners have been forced to lock themselves away for longer times because we need yeah. to protect them. There's no visits, no education, no workshops. So we're doing the bare essentials, really. So we have the staff to do that. We've had operational staff from headquarters, Governor Grades, redeployed back to establishments to assist on the front line. And the employers now introduced a bonus scheme for those staff who wish to work additional hours, they will sign up to that scheme so they can earn a bit of extra money. So they're trying everything to keep people on duty. But my biggest fear is not only the physical strain, but it's the mental strain at the end of all this because we don't know how long it's going to last, the risks that my members face on a daily basis and the fact that they don't feel recognised by the employer because some of those payments that are available are simply not enough, not adequate. And there's a disparity between what they're getting for attending their shifts on a monthly basis and what operational managers are going to be getting, which is 10 times more. And that just doesn't feel right to me or to my members. And when it comes to the staff, I mean, obviously visits were shut down. Was it a week ago now, I think? Yeah. Um, it was about a week ago, wasn't it? And it was a week, we yeah. saw we saw in Italy quite quickly, as soon as the visits and the family and friends weren't allowed to come in, um, you know, the violence shot up, they set fire to the prisons and a few people were killed. Um, what's your worry, you know, on, on all of that? Because I'm that's what I'm a bit worried about. I think we've done the right thing at the right time. We continue to work as normally as we possibly could for as long as we possibly could. But then the government announced these strict guidelines that we had to adhere to, which meant no family visits, you know, social yeah. distancing, don't congregate in large groups. And it really was brought to a head in our prisons over the weekend where we had Mother's Day and there was families visiting, old people, young people, young children. And those concerns from my members were highlighted to the Secretary of State. Look, government guidelines are we shouldn't be doing this. You're putting the general public at risk. You're putting prisoners at risk. You're putting staff at risk. We need to end this now for the sake mm. of everybody. Luckily enough, those concerns were acted upon. And I think the prisoners have reacted really well. They understand that... This is not a punitive measure. This is a necessary evil. We need to protect them. We need to protect staff. We need to protect their families. And we're putting some really good measures in place to ensure they maintain those family contacts. We're making sure they get out of the cells every day if they haven't got a phone in their cell to access phones on the landings to keep those contacts going with their families and their loved ones. We're making sure that they can shower every day, that they can get exercise in the open air, We've got education providing activity packs for them in the cells. And of course, we're now getting these devices into our prisons that enable prisoners to use in their cells to phone their families 
the secure lines they can only access the approved numbers that is a great initiative so we're doing everything we can our end and i think prisoners understand the lengths we're going to to keep them safe and to make sure that their lives are as tolerable as they can be during this difficult period. Mm, absolutely. And do you think they do understand? Are they scared? Do they know? I presume they know what's going on, right? They're, some of them are quite well informed. We're keeping them well informed. And it's a positive that those great relationships we have with prisons and always have had are now coming to fruition. You know, we don't want to see disorder because disorder does nobody any good. There's no yeah. way for us to transfer, transfer them if if they do you know, smash up wings and smash up cells. And we're trying our best for them. We're trying our best for their families. So I think they understand that. And we just keep communicating with them. Let's hope we can get through this. And let's hope it doesn't last as long as everybody's predicting. Yeah, absolutely. And and what's your thoughts on um, when you talk about social distancing and, you know, working in prisons myself as well, that's often a luxury that's not afforded <laughs> to prisons. You know, you can't be two metres away from someone if you're walking down a wing, for example. You can't be two metres away from someone if you're handcuffed to them and you have to take them out because they're sick and you need to take them to a hospital. You know, there's some real impossibilities in that. So how are you able to work around trying to make sure you are social distancing? Yeah, that's correct, and that just highlights how brave prison officers are doing all these tasks, not being able to adhere to strict guidelines on social distancing, not wearing any protective equipment at all, just getting on with the daily tasks in order to keep people safe. That just highlights how brave they are, how vital their role is, and how much they are protecting the public and serving society. And, you know, there are certain things we can do when... We put people out on the exercise yard. They have to share in a cell. Obviously, they don't, don't have to socially distance, but we can put smaller numbers on the exercise yard, instruct people to stay at least two metres apart so at least they can get some fresh air. And we're relying on them to adhere to those guidelines because we don't want this spreading in our prisons. We want to contain it as much as we can. And so far, we're doing a pretty good job, I, I have to say. Yeah, the other difficult thing um, that struck me was the hand washing. I mean, again knowing prisons it's not like you just wander past a basin every now and again you know that is not something that's an easy thing to do all the time and especially as much as you'd need to do it in a prison in particular yeah and that is a difficulty prisons you know are not hygienic places no. luckily enough every cell has a sink and we've got adequate supplies of soap i've been told but unfortunately we don't have much hand sanitizer in any of our jails because they've been prioritized quite rightly for the nhs but what we do encourage which i've seen in some jails is these portable hand wash basins which can be sited throughout the prison put one of them in each strategic point in a prison with some soap and staff can every 20 minutes access them but we need them rolled out immediately or we need some system in place that allows staff to keep themselves hygienic because as we know washing your hands is a key to not spreading the virus but that and testing is a priority i know nhs have been prioritized for testing of COVID 19 but we're now on that list so we expect in the next couple of weeks that there will be mobile testing sites at every jail to test staff so we can ensure that we're not spreading the virus. You're listening to Justice with Edwina Grosvenor. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You mentioned we're, there were 7,000 staff off duty, but then you also mentioned that inmates are having to come out of their cells for exercise, for showers. You know, you need staff to let hundreds of men and women out of their cells. How are you practically managing that? Because it seems like that would be quite difficult. Yeah, we're dividing our time and we're dividing our resource. So Whereas we would have unlocked full wings of 120 prisoners, we're now maybe only unlocking 10 or 12 prisoners at a time, giving them access to showers and phone calls and exercise on a rotational basis, and that'll go on throughout the day. So we can try our best to adhere to those guidelines, try our best to socially distance each other, and try our best to keep everybody safe. So that seems to be working quite well. What we need to avoid is large gatherings of prisoners. What we need to avoid is unlocking large groups of prisoners and putting them on the exercise together so they can congregate. We need to ensure that we adhere to these strict guidelines as much as we practically can. Mm. And that seems to be happening in the majority of cases. We have heard of a few rogue governors who think they can play God with people's lives and not adhere to those strict guidelines, but those people are getting addressed because we're made aware of it and we pass that on to senior directors within the service who are not too impressed. So if we all work together and be sensible about this, keep communicating to prisoners and keep them active as much as they can and cater for their needs, I think we can get through this quite successfully. Yeah, and as you say, I guess it really depends on how long it's going to go on for. And I don't think even the chief medical officer um, knows quite where this story ends. So how long do you think um, the goodwill and patience of prisoners and staff, quite frankly, um, is going to last? Because, you know, I've only done a, a week at home and I'm in 
a nice home and it, you know you start feeling impatient and a bit annoyed at times so I just I can't even imagine how difficult um, it all must be for for the prison staff and the prisoners. I think it's on for at least three weeks that seems to be the indication and then they're going to reassess in three weeks time so what we must do is we must reassess day by day week by week and decide how effective the measures that we've got in place are because the true diktat on how successful we are will be on the spread or lack of spread of coronavirus in our prisons and what we must look at is, are we going to continue transferring prisoners around the country? How long will the courts be open? Because we have to service the courts and we don't know what's coming in off the streets unless we start testing people. Well, exactly. I was going to ask about that because, you know, the churn of prisoners moving around the country is massive usually. Thousands and thousands of people a day, right? And coming in from court. So that's still happening, is it? Yeah, the courts are still on. So... And we've got transfers going in and out to try and create single, you know, occupancy space. So they'll transfer people into prisons with spaces to try and create single occupancy space at jails where we know we've got an outbreak and we need to self-isolate people. So that's still happening. So everybody's at risk if you're not going to test prisoners who are coming in and out of prisons. So what is your view on low-risk prisoners, non-violent prisoners, remand prisoners um, being let out? Well, the POA don't have a view on what's called an executive release. Well, what the Secretary of State is considering is releasing low-risk prisoners who are not a threat to the public, that would have to be thoroughly assessed, to free up space. So if this spreads rapidly, we'll be able to cope. That would ease the pressure on my members. But what is a highlight at the moment is the fact that overcrowding is now hindering our chances of stopping the spread of coronavirus in our prisons and we really need to address that i mean we just deal with what we're faced with as a individual not as a poa national chair i personally would consider releasing anybody who's got 12 months or less left on their sentence who is not considered to be a risk to the public because that would free up a lot of spaces and you know it's in the secretary of state's gift to do that but i'm sure he's got everything in hand and I know Northern Ireland have just released a couple of hundred prisoners and I know Scotland announced last week that they're considering it well our Secretary of State is considering it also and anything that can relieve the pressure on the prisoner state and my members is welcome but it needs to be thoroughly risk assessed and we need to ensure that if that does happen the right people are released into society who are not going to commit offences. Absolutely and I think often there can be a misunderstanding out there when sort of people are uh, sometimes um, talking constantly about prisoners and this you know it's always focuses around the prisoners and you know what I always say is you have to remember if it's bad inside for the prisoners it's bad inside for the officers if it's dirty inside for the prisoners it's dirty inside for the officers so actually you know this is an extraordinary thing that's happening at the minute and it's has the potential to really send violence through the absolute roof. So surely it would be any minister's duty to do absolutely all they could in order to create at least a bit of safety around around the officers and the staff. 
Yeah, that's correct. And I'm sure he is doing everything he can and considering yeah. every option at this moment. And, you know, luckily enough, we're working in partnership with the government and, and the employer and it's working quite well. We've been very supportive and we'll continue to do that because now is not the time for political points, Gordon. We must put our differences aside, work together, staff, employer, government and prisoners. Let's work together and let's get through this, and we can and we will get through this, and let's hope we get through it with minimal damage, with minimal loss of life, and let's just see where it takes us in the future. You mentioned um, the PPE, which is the personal protective equipment, and I've seen lots on the television, as you will have, as many people listening will have, of the doctors getting into their hazmat suits, and they've got goggles and sort of hairnets or sort of whatever they are. What is it that you guys need? Is it the same as what the doctors have, or what are you after? Well, after exactly the same as what the NHS use when they're dealing with people who have been diagnosed or are displaying signs of COVID-19. Okay. We're after, as a minimum, masks, goggles and aprons so we can deal with people in our environment, confined, that may be at risk. And we must have protective equipment specifically in the high security estate where all staff entering a prison are searched. So if we're searching yeah. staff without personal protective equipment, if we're not doing any COVID-19 testing on staff, what are they bringing in and what are they relaying to the searching staff? So we need all these measures in place. But I think the important thing for success is not only personal protective equipment, but it's the testing. We need to test staff. We need to yeah. test prisoners. And if we're going to do an executive release of prisoners, they need to be tested before they're released into society. Because without those tests taking place, what are they carrying home to their families? Well, exactly. And staff, I was going to ask about the staff going in and out. You know, it strikes me that you know, prisons are one of the more difficult places to control the spread of them. A, because they can be quite unhygienic places on a good day. Um, B, because everyone is really close together, lots of people sharing cells. Um, we talked about social distancing. You can't really do that. Talked about hand washing. That's a massive challenge. People coughing and spluttering all over each other. You know, taking someone out to a hospital, you have to be handcuffed to them. Um, so are you actually genuinely quite worried when we see Boris Johnson's got it and so therefore Matt Hancock's got it. Now we know Dominic Cummings has got it, the chief medical officer. You can see how it like rips through a team of people. Yeah, I'm extremely worried. I'm extremely worried for everyone, especially my members at the front line. But I think we have to accept when you listen to the scientific advice and what the experts are saying that 80 percent of the population at some point are going to get this virus some yeah. mild some severe but my biggest fear is what are we bringing into our prisons if there's no testing taking place yeah. and we've got staff self-isolating at home who may not have the virus who need to be tested so they can get back to work who are keen to get back to work and it's quite amusing i think because we're expected to supervise prisoners who were in hospital on what's called a bed guard. And I had a 62-year-old member turn up at a hospital to supervise a bed guard and the healthcare staff turned him away because he was in the vulnerable age group and was putting everybody at risk. Yet prison officers are expected to work till the 68. Yeah. It's an absolute ridiculous situation. The healthcare staff won't let a 62-year-old staff a bed guard 
but the government are happy for us to work on the land until we're 68. So that's something we really need to address when all this is over. And we yeah. need to sit down and do the sensible thing and the right thing by our frontline prison officers. How do you think this may change the prison world, if at all? I know it's a sort of more of a philosophical question, but um, do you have any thoughts or views? Or, or at the moment, I imagine you're probably just going hour to hour and day to day and the rest will become clear, I'm sure, over time. I would like to think that it will change the prison service in a positive way. I would like to think that the partnership work and that we're currently engaged in will continue. I would like to think that prison officers will be seen as an essential frontline public service and, you know, looked upon in a good light because of the work we do. I would like to think that government would accept that we could possibly continue to work in our 60s in that environment. I would like to think that overcrowding will finally be addressed and we will create decent living and working spaces for everybody. And I would like to think that the relationships between staff and prisoners will be enhanced because we're caring for them in a really difficult time and doing the best we can for them. And our only concerns is to keep everybody in our care, including the staff, safe. Yeah. I would just like to say one more thing. If... We as a society can take a positive from this. I would just like everybody to be a bit kinder. You know, when you are getting served by that person on the checkout at your supermarket, just say thank you to them. Instead of moaning that they've run out of toilet paper, just say a little thank you. Thank you to the people that you never really recognise who are just going about their daily business. When you see a, a police officer on the street or a nurse, say thank you for the service they're giving to you. And just spare a thought for the prison officers who were hidden behind a big grey wall, out of sight and out of mind. Just say a little thank you to them because they're doing a job day in, day out to protect you with no thanks at all. And a little bit of appreciation for those guys and girls goes a long way. Absolutely. Well, they're wise words. Um, So, Mark, I'm going to let you get back to your busy day job now protecting your officers so thank you so much for um spending sort of half an hour with me to chat about things and and maybe in a couple of months time we can we can check in again and see see how everybody's getting on yeah sure and stay safe everyone links relevant to this episode can be found in the pod notes below if you enjoyed listening we would love it if you would subscribe also rate review and best of all share this episode Justice is co-produced for One Small Thing by the London Podcast Company and Pencil Agency. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 